Welcome to Recreate Parenting, the podcast from licensed therapist and author Roya Dato. We're going to talk about creative tools for more connection so that you can release fear and find joy in all of the places your kids take you. This podcast is especially wonderful for those of you who feel like your families don't quite fit the mold. Last week, one of the parents that I work with asked if I was ever going to do a teen art group. And I loved the question because yes, yes, in fact, I was. I've been planning on doing something like this for, I don't know, a decade now? And she asked at exactly the right time. I had kind of had some of like the graphics and the ideas in the work. And her question was the catalyst. And I was like, you know what? Let's just get it on the calendar right now. I only need like three or four people to make it happen. Let's see who's interested and just let's let's just do it. You know, the whole if they build or not if they build it, if you build it, they will come idea. And so we did. Uh, I put it out on my email list and about 10 people signed up for the first day. And so I was stoked. I was really excited. Um, It was kind of last minute. And so I didn't want to do any activity that was super involved as far as materials went because I didn't know what people would have handy. I also made it very, very clear, hopefully to everybody, that there was no pressure. Um, Yes, it's an art group. I will have a technique. I'll have an activity. I'll have questions and like ways to explore because the idea here is that it's expressive arts. The end product doesn't matter. It's all about like what you get out of it. Um, But because it's all online, people can have their camera on or off. They can speak or not. They can type or not. They can share or not. I really wanted to make it as easy as possible for people to join. For a lot of the teens I work with, they're aware that they want more social assistance. They want more social opportunities. They want to do things with other people, and they want to find other people who also share their interests. But there's a lot of barriers between them and actually like having those experiences. And so I wanted this teen online art group to have as few barriers as possible. So it was rad. Um, we had uh, there were 10 people or so signed up. Most of them came. Some people never talked, and some people had their cameras off the whole time. And I have to admit, I was a little bit nervous, probably more nervous to run this group for the teens than I was every single week to do the adult version that I've been running forever. And I don't know, maybe I'm old enough now that I'm like worried that I won't be able to relate to them or they won't find it useful. The other piece is that I generally love working with this age group so, so much. And so part of it was like this offering mattered to me enough that I felt so invested and I would have been heartbroken if it didn't work out. So I'm going along, I'm babbling a little bit more than I probably have to just because I, well, consciously to some extent, because I wanted to really make it possible for other people to feel like they didn't have to fill the silence, that they didn't have to talk if they didn't want to. This is something that I would always do as a professor in my classes. I would start out the first class or two kind of oversharing making silly remarks, talking about my life, because I figure if I share at a 100, that'll make other people feel more comfortable sharing at a 20. So we did the technique. Um, Now, not very many people are talking. I can't see what people are doing because this is all through Zoom. So those who have their cameras on, I can see their faces, but I'm not, I can't see what's on their desk. And so we get to the end of the hour and I'm starting to ask questions about the process and about the technique itself and they start sharing 
And it is more thoughtful, more wonderful, more creative than I could have ever hoped for. The takeaways that these teenagers have, the insight, the talent, the skill, the connect the dots ability, their observations, I mean, every piece of what they had to say was so interesting and so valuable and made me wish I had a whole other hour just to hear them explain and explore. And I love the work I do with adults. I run a very similar group for adults. It's called Play With Purpose. And we do art and we talk and we explore. And I really, really love them. So don't worry, those of you who are listening, there's no, like, no one and no two. But there was a difference with the teenagers. And I've been sitting here kind of thinking about why. And I think a lot of it is that as adults, you've had that many more years of things squashing or getting in the way of your creativity. As an adult, you've got a whole other couple of decades on those teenagers to be told that your art isn't worthwhile, to have other obligations uh, need to be prioritized, to have a ton of messaging that at best we're working through and at worst we're listening to. And while many of the teenagers in this group might have anxiety, might struggle with perfectionism, might be bummed that their art doesn't look the way they want it to, it's not quite the same. They haven't had quite the same number of of years and of messages that tell them that their art or the time that they spend doing their art isn't valuable. So grown-ups, I came up with a list of seven things that I need us to get over so that we can be more creative. All right, you ready for it? The first one is perfectionism or the idea that there is a right way. There's no right way to use these materials. There's no right way to follow the prompt. There's no right way to art. And when we focus so much on doing something the right way, making it perfect, this really is anxiety coming through. So the question to ask yourself is, what would happen if I did it wrong? What would happen if I did it differently? For many people, there was an actual answer to that, right? Growing up, if you made a mistake, if you did something wrong, if you, you know, did it differently, you might have been legitimately punished for that in one way or another. So the next question is, what would happen if I messed up? And would that still happen now? The second thing we need to get over is imposter syndrome. And I am as guilty of this as anybody. But the idea that we are not as good. We're just pretending. Other people think that we're this thing that we're not. Uh, and at, at some point, that surface is going to crack and people are going to see the truth underneath us. The thought of other people discovering our faults or our flaws or we're not good enough has stopped so many of us from even starting. So we need to recognize that and remind ourselves that that feeling is there. It's trying to protect us. It's trying to keep us from being hurt and it probably doesn't serve us in a lot of different areas. The third thing that we all need to get over is the idea that we shouldn't do something just because there are other people who are already doing it. Do you know how many people there are in the world? A lot. (laughs) I actually asked this question without knowing exactly. I should Google that. But there are so many people in the world. So let's just get over the idea that like somebody else might be doing what we're doing and just accept that there are many people who are doing what we're doing. And you know what? They're all doing it in their corners of the world, and they're doing it in a different way. Also, just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean it isn't valuable for us to do it too. 
Maybe it's valuable for the people around us, and maybe it's valuable just for us, and that's okay. Just because there's other people, like, jogging on my block doesn't mean I shouldn't jog. It would be good for me to go do that thing. Someone, somewhere, out there, that's the beginning of a song, uh, I digress, um, someone needs your voice. They need you to do the thing. So I don't care if every other human in the world is doing incredible collages, you still get to do it too. The fourth thing we need to get over is that other obligations matter more. Sometimes there will be logistics. Yes, I have to like physically feed myself or feed somebody else before I can go do some watercolors. But this is also a check of our values and a check of the values we've been taught. Your creativity matters almost more than anything else in the world. You giving time to exercise that creativity is going to make you a better parent, a better person, a better citizen, a better everything. It's really, really important. If you struggle with too much of the messaging that other things are more valuable and more important, I really encourage you to do some um, purposeful curation of the people you surround yourself with and like what TikTok accounts you follow and what podcasts you listen to and things like that. And find people who make art and make creativity and make craft or whatever their version of creativity it is. Find people who make that a regular part of their day and follow them. Something else we need to get over, number five, is our inner critic or that editing voice. Now, our inner editor or our inner critic, I think is a really valuable tool. I don't want to get rid of them completely. There are a lot of times and a lot of spaces where I wish people had more of an inner critic. Not a, not a self-critic, but, you know, the ability to think critically and uh, use some judgment. It's a really important skill, but it's a second step. In, creative, in creativity and creative um, actions, very often you have the first, like, brainstorm. You have the first, just the draft, the, the watercolor, the whatever it is, you just need to get it out of you. That's not the time for the editing voice. The editing voice can come later. If you're doing something that you might want to share with people or put out in the world, then you can invite that person back in to cast a, a you know, educated eye over the thing. But when you're first starting to do something, they don't belong in the room. So, you know, I, I very often do a tactile, um, like I draw a picture of an inner editor and fold the paper and slide it under the door so they're literally not in the room with me. Things like that, just as a symbol to make sure that that inner editor, inner editor <laughs> is not there during that first stage of creativity. Number six, the thing that we need to get rid of is anti-leisure and pro-productivity messaging. There is, a, a, and again, um, this is one of those things where like I fully succumb to this often, even though my undergrad degree is in recreation and leisure studies, we know how valuable creativity and hobbies and movement and play and all of these things that take place during leisure time, we know they're valuable. We know that we basically aren't human without those things. We know that we need them for community development, for personal development, for family development, but there is a huge, huge amount of anti-leisure messaging in the world. 
And we know that it has seeped into our consciousness when we have trouble sitting down or sitting still, or we feel like there's always something we're supposed to be doing. And this is a really tough one because creativity takes time. It takes a lot of time. It takes open-ended time without anything else that you need to do right then so that you can float from one idea to another, so you can make messes and make mistakes and go back to the thing that you were doing two hours ago and stir it all up all over again. Creativity requires quite a lot of time to blossom, to make connections. And because of all that messaging around us, we have to carve that time out and then defend it. And one of the ways that we sometimes justify our need for creativity is by saying, yeah, look, I'm making something useful. Look at the end product. And that brings us to number seven of the thing that adults need to get over so we can be more creative. And that's the idea that there needs to be an end product. One of my favorite authors, Natalie Goldberg, talks about how when she was younger, she would go to farmer's markets and write poems for a dollar to people. And she'd write it, give her a dollar, and then they'd walk away with that piece of paper. And this was long before the day of digital camera or any way to save that, unless she was like actually writing two copies, which she wasn't doing. And she writes about this in her book, Writing Down the Bones, uh, where it was such a important part of her artistic development to let things that she created walk away out of her life forever. If you struggle with this, and this kind of goes full circle for me and sometimes ties into the perfectionism thing, if you struggle with letting things really legitimately be just about the process, then I suggest that you try to make some art and do some creative things on impermanent material. Draw on napkins that are going to get thrown away. Create patterns and shapes out of sticks and leaves and rocks and stuff at a park that you're not going to take home with you. Make art and then hand it to your toddler to do whatever they want to with it. I think we need hours and hours and hours every week of practiced, carved out, dedicated time to creative exercise. And none of us have that kind of time. So try. Try for 10 minutes today. Really just 10 minutes. And if you can make 10 minutes happen, try for another five next week. And if you at all possibly can, create something where there's some accountability so that you don't forget so it doesn't slide off of your to-do list so other things don't come up and take precedence and priority excuse me one of the ways to do that is to join something like my teen art group or my play with purpose group where we've got a designated time where we gather and we make process art specifically to exercise that creative muscle it makes me a better therapist it makes me a better parent I'm so excited to be working with these teenagers to do this too, just to bring it back to where I started because they're already doing that. They're not going to have to unlearn and recreate. They're already doing that. It's so exciting and it bodes so well for the future. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Recreate Parenting Podcast. As always, I want to invite you to set aside and honor some times of creativity every single week by joining the Play With Purpose monthly membership group. You can find information about that and everything else I've got to offer for you creative parents at royadato.com. That's R-O-Y-A-D-E-D-E-A-U-X.com.